Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The text for today will be taken from St. Matthew's Gospel. We begin with the word of prayer. Most merciful God, we give you thanks that you do gather us around your word so that we might hear it. Lord, hear you speak to us. Lord, we pray this day that you would help us to hear in faith, to be confronted in our sins so that we might repent, be ready to hear the good news that Jesus Christ comes to save sinners like us. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. For whom does the word of God come? When the word of God is proclaimed, who is God speaking to? When the cry for repentance goes out, who needs to listen? Who is it? that needs to change their lives, turn their hearts from their sin, and listen to this word? Well, the answer is very easy, isn't it? On paper, anyways. Sinners. Sinners need to repent. The word goes out to sinners so that they would stop their sinning. They need to turn from their bad and turn towards God. The, turn, uh, the call to repent certainly goes to sinners. That's a little too easy, isn't it? Because I, when I say sinners, I think very often we make it a little too easy on ourselves. And we do this by categorizing certain people in that category of sinners. When we think of sinners, we think of a particular group of people, particularly those people who are bad for society, who work against love of neighbor, who hear Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself and they ignore it, who take what we like to call the second table of the law, that is those, those commandments from God that teach us to honor our father and mother, not to murder, not to commit adultery, not to steal or lie or covet, who take those commands and step on them and spit on them and kick them away. Those are the sinners who need to repent. St. Paul would speak of them this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 when he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men or women, I should say, who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, those sinners. Or today Jesus talks about the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Now, I don't need to explain to you the sinfulness of a prostitute, but the tax collectors might need a, need a little more explanation. Uh, the tax collectors were those Jewish people who worked for the enemy, the Romans, against their own brothers and sisters, against their own kinsmen. They would take taxes from their kin, and they would give it to the Romans, but they would exact more from their family and then get rich on the suffering of those who raised them. Tax collectors and prostitutes. And the list goes on. I'm sure we can throw any other number of sinners into this category. You probably have your favorite political party in mind right now because this is all so obvious, right? I mean, obviously, these people need to repent. They're living in ways that are opposed to God's word. They're living in ways that are harmful, yeah, to themselves, but also to their neighbors and to society. They're being selfish and self-serving. They're looking out for their own needs and they're not looking to do God's will. They need to repent. They need Jesus. And what's so wonderful is that you find that so often it is they 
that Jesus saved. For when the law of God comes to them and calls them to repent, they have no pre-existing condition that was suggested to them. They don't need to repent. They know it. They see their sin. They are aware that when confronted by the wrath and judgment of God for their sin, it is coming for them. I've heard it once. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. I'm too sinful for God. They know their sins. And yet the call to repent comes to them, that call to turn away from their sins and be received by this Jesus who comes to forgive only sinners. Jesus comes to give forgiveness and righteousness to sinners. And this is what happens like in the ministry of a guy like John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins, a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And those tax collectors and prostitutes, they came repenting. The Holy Spirit used the preaching of John and he got them. He grabbed their hearts and then John was able to proclaim to them the good news of the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. This wonderful message of of forgiveness and repentance and redemption saved the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Further then, this message went out into the world after Jesus rose from the dead, after dying for the sins of the world. He commissioned his church saying, go and, repeat, uh, uh, go and preach repentance and forgiveness in my name throughout the world. And they did, the disciples, the apostles, they did, and it landed in a place like Corinth. As we just heard earlier, Paul listing all the sins of the Corinthians. But then he says this to them, and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is, Jesus came for those sinners too. The Spirit of God got them and repented them and turned them from their sin to Jesus Christ. And so it is this word of law and gospel of repentance and forgiveness that goes out into the world and brings sinners to Christ. And for you today who are hearing this message, who know all too well your sinfulness, who are convinced that you've gone so far and Jesus Christ could never forgive you, could never forgive that sin. No, no, he forgave that sin. He didn't forgive just that sin. He forgives you. He died on the cross for you. His blood was shed so that you will not have to suffer for your sins forever. He suffered in your place. He washed you. He sanctified you. He has justified you. Jesus came for you. So repent and believe this good news. You are forgiven for the sake of Christ. Jesus comes for sinners. Jesus came for you. And we all love this, right? Like we rejoice in this. We love this news from that crass, immoral sinner who has turned from their sins into Jesus Christ, who has recognized their salvation, and we love it. And we should, because it's one of the greatest things about this faith, that Jesus saves even the worst of sinners. But if that's all we leave with today from our reading, if that's all we heard in the gospel here this morning, we only got half of what Jesus was teaching them. And we're really only dealing with one half of the group of sinners that Jesus wants to confront today. Because there's a whole other group of sinners that needs to repent. A whole other group of sinners that needs to turn from their own unrighteousness. See, it's all too easy for us to hear the phrase sinner and lump in those people who do immoral and debaucherous things. But there's an entire other group of sinners 
that spends their time not so much sinning against that second table of the law, sinning against their neighbor, but has a problem with sinning against God. Theirs is a sin, we might say, that is theological, the sin of faith, because they have put their faith in the wrong things. They trust something that is not Jesus. And their sin is not all that apparent. It's not all so apparent that the call to repent goes out to them. Because to the world and to the church and perhaps even to themselves when they stare into the mirror, these sinners see anything but. What they see is good-looking, church-going Christians. Jesus explains what I'm getting at here today in a parable about a father who tells his sons to go work in a vineyard. He comes to the first son and tells him to go work. The son says no, but later on goes and does the work. This here is the first group we were just talking about, those unrighteous, immoral sinners who hear the call to faith and come to believe. But then you have this other brother, the second brother that the father goes to, and he says to him, go and work. And this this son says, I'll do it. You got it. And we love this guy because this guy looks good. I'll be honest, as a father, I would love to say to my kids, let's go and do chores. And they would say, yes, father, we are with you. Wouldn't that be amazing? It doesn't happen. But boy, would I love it. That's what this one does. I love love the deference here. He goes, uh, uh, go out and work. And he goes, I go, sir. Like, he looks great. He looks like the Israelites at the bottom of Mount Sinai when, when Moses comes with the law and says, this is what God tells you to do. And the Israelites say, all the Lord has commanded, we will do. Only to go off into the wilderness and do anything but. Jesus says, that's what's going on here. These guys who seem to look so good, when the time comes for them to go, they don't go. When the call comes for them to go into the field, they look like they're going, they say all the right things, they look the right way, they follow all the right rules, but when the call to repent comes, they don't do it. Now Jesus is talking to a very specific group of people here today. He is talking to the chief priests and the elders of the people, the church workers, the religious leaders. These are ones who had worked to put on a good show to show that they were not wicked like those tax collectors and prostitutes who were ruining society. They did a fine job of upholding the moral law. They didn't commit adultery, they didn't steal, and they didn't vote for anybody who did. They were those who worked and expected to be paid for what they had performed. And then that nagging preacher, John the Baptist, came along. And John came along with that word and called them to repent with the rest of the sinners. And they couldn't figure it out. But why? We're not, we're not murdering. We're not committing adultery. We have our morals in check. We have no reason we can see to repent. And so they didn't. They had no reason, they said, to repent. Except except for this, God told them to. The word of God came for them and told them that because of their trust in the wrong thing, because their faith was misplaced, because of their idolatry, they needed to repent because they were in the same sinful boat as the tax collectors and prostitutes. Only we might say they were worse off. Because their sin wasn't their immorality, it was, in fact, their piety, or better said, it was their faith. For their faith was not in the God who saved them, but in the work that they performed. 
It was not in the word that was preached to them, but in their own performance. Their faith was in their goodness, their church attendance, their own voting record, their own willpower, their own moral decision-making. Those who showed themselves to be obedient to the second table of God's commands were utterly guilty of taking that first table of commands, those first group of commands that deal with our relationship to God, that teach us to fear, love, and trust God above all things by fearing and loving and trusting, really loving, their own obedience. They took that first table of commandments, stomped on it, spit on it, and kicked it away. Their faith was in themselves, and so they needed to repent. Which is why I think it is so crucial for us Christians who have been in the church for such a long time, who have done, worked hard to do things the right way and tried our best to be moral at all times to hear this passage. For it is a warning to us, and yes, I believe a call to repentance. Who needs to repent? Who does the word of God come for? Those sinners over there or for you? Yes. The answer is yes. For all of us in our own way have hearts that are prone to sin. And sometimes I fear that we Christians, when we hear the call to repent, when we are confronted by our sin, when we are confronted by God's law, I fear that too often we Christians are the ones who become the most defensive and we try and defend ourselves instead of repent. We spend a lot more time looking at other people's sins and ignoring our own pride. You must understand that when the word of God comes, you have nowhere to run and you have nowhere to hide for it is coming for you and it has come to grab you by the ears so it may get into your heart and shatter anything, anything, moral or immoral, that gets between you and Jesus. Jesus will find a way into your heart, even if it means repenting, causing you to repent of how good you are. See, if you don't think you have something to repent of, if you don't think you have sin uh, that needs to be dealt with, then you need to spend a little more time in God's commandments. You need to study the Ten Commandments a little more closely and examine your life in light of them. If you don't think you have reason to confess your sins, then you have to ask yourself the question, why did Jesus teach me to daily pray, forgive me my trespasses? Why does Jesus daily and richly forgive us if there's nothing there to forgive? See, there's a lot of false teaching going around right now. A lot of false teachers out there telling you that you have no reason to repent. You have nothing to feel ashamed about. You are perfectly fine the way you are. You need to get rid of your guilt. It's just a psychological problem. You have no sin to deal with. But these are false teachers, and the truth is not in them. The truth is in this, that all of us are sinners. The greater truth is this. Jesus comes only for sinners. He comes for tax collectors, prostitutes, and churchgoers. And he sees you and your righteousness, and he sees them and their righteousness, and he tells all of us to repent of our righteousness and to turn to him for true righteousness. Jesus, who has lived perfectly and died faithfully in your place and is now risen, comes to you, and today he turns toward you and calls you to repent so that you can hear these words. I am the Lamb of God, says Jesus, who has taken away your sins. I have shed my blood for you and opened the kingdom of heaven to you. And you will enter because you are forgiven. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, trust me. Believe me. 
That whole message, all of it, has come for you. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the call to repentance, for the honesty of your word that opens our eyes to the fact that we are still plagued by sin. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears and hearts to repent and trust the good news that Jesus Christ is our Savior. Lord, where we cannot repent, grant us your Holy Spirit so that he would turn our hearts, so that we would be turned and find ourselves trusting in Jesus Christ alone. It's in his name we pray.